This is the KOTO Community Radio News for Monday, December 13th. I'm Julia Caulfield. In today's headlines, Mountain Village considers public input on comprehensive plan, G is for government previews Telluride Town Council, Allison Delgado races through hardship, and a mountain weather forecast. Mountain Village is getting closer to having an updated comprehensive plan. The Comprehensive Plan, or Comp Plan, is the town's guiding light for development. It was first adopted in 2011 with the aim to have it in place for 30 years. But now, just 10 years later, the town is going back to the document for an amendment. The town doesn't anticipate huge changes to the plan, rather amendments that simplify the document and take into consideration economic changes, like Airbnbs or VRBOs, that weren't a reality 10 years ago. Last week, Mountain Village Town Council sat down with consultants on the process to discuss a number of proposed actions and recommendations based on feedback from the community. Ellie Schaefer with MIG, the company hired to assist in the amendment process, says there are five major areas for discussion based on public input. Those are hotbeds, community housing, density in the meadows, duplex development, and open space. Mountain Village received nearly 150 responses from the public during the review period. Schaefer says public input indicated the community believes the number of hotbeds proposed in the comp plan is too high. This was the number one topic we heard about in public comment. Um, A lot of the concerns from the community were about potential for diminished community character, um, concerns about overcrowding. Um, And lastly, we heard from TSG with a desire for 1,275 target hotbeds in particular. She notes the updated plan reduces the number of proposed hotbeds from the 2011 plan by nearly 600 beds. With the feedback, Schaefer also provides potential actions council could take in addressing the issue in the comp plan. Each action has pros and cons. So one potential action for town council consideration is reduction or removal of targeted hotbeds outside of the village center. So looking at, in particular, Big Billy's and the targeted hotel site up near town hall. Um, The pros of this are that it would reflect the community's desire for reduction in targeted hotbeds while respecting existing zoning in the village center. Um, The cons are really that there's limited total sites for hotbed development, and hotbeds do support the ski resort and a local economy. Um, Additionally, TSG has expressed the desire for the inclusion of these two sites. Action two would remove the identification of potential hotbed sites from the plan. Action three would remove policy language incentivizing hotbed development. Council wants to discuss action two more and wants to keep language incentivizing hotbed development. But it did support action one, which would remove Big Billy's and the area by town hall for hotbeds. For Mayor Leila Benitez, she doesn't like the fact that the town hall area is open space. I have reservations about changing any open space parcels to be hotbeds at this point when we have so many parcels that that are zoned for and ready to go to become hotels in the village center. Next up, community housing. Here's Schaefer. In general, community comment indicated support for more community housing um, in the town of Mountain Village. There were many concerns expressed about where that might occur. Schaefer says basically anywhere you put community or workforce housing will be an issue for some members of the community. There was also some conflicting um, comments. Some are more interested in uh, a dispersion of community housing throughout the town. Some people are 
uh, would prefer it to be focused in one location. So not clear um, consensus on that. MIG's suggestion for an action is to include a map of potential community housing sites in the comprehensive plan. Here's Andrew Knudsen with Economic Planning Services, another consulting firm on the project. One of the things that we heard uh, from our last meeting together was the importance of housing and elevating housing within the comprehensive plan. So we've heard that we're planning to we've included the map. Council is in support of highlighting and keeping a focus on housing in the comprehensive plan, but intends to discuss the topic further at a meeting in January. Development in the meadows blends both community housing and hotbeds. Schaefer says input from the community shows concern about increasing density in the meadows at all, largely in relation to diminishing community character. One potential action town council could take is to remove or reduce a target for increased community housing density at Big Billy's. Uh, that would reflect the community's desire in the meadows. Um, the con of that is, again, limited options for hotbed and community housing um, geographically in the town, as well as TSG has expressed interest um, in, in increasing the density at that site. Other actions would be to reduce targeted density in the Meadows sub-area plan and update the plan, with a stakeholder group including Meadows residents. Town Council supports updating the sub-area plan and wants to discuss reducing the overall density target later. Council is also in support of keeping Big Billy's density targets higher, as long as it's in the best interest of the buildings and the residents themselves. Knudsen again. It's a development program that doesn't really maximize accommodation for workers. There could be a whole different plan there with more units in a different configuration. And there's a lot more uh, suite style housing that can really maximize occupancy for workers um, without pushing the limits on the form of mass and bulk. So I would say that Big Billy's, in terms of a, a workforce housing, that's a, that's a great site. So we want to leave a lot of latitude around that. Duplex development is a bit of a non-starter, as no public input showed support. Council supports removing the references of duplexes from the comp plan. Finally, open space. The 2011 comp plan laid out six open space designations. In the draft update, MIG reduced that to two designations. Community input did not support the change, and council agrees. The plan will shift back to the original six designations. The process to amend the comprehensive plan is a long road. Mountain Village has been working on the plan for nearly a year, but the work is coming to a close. The town looks to get more community feedback from the next draft, with the aim to adopt the amended document next year. Telluride Town Council is back for its regularly scheduled meeting on Tuesday. From the Valley Floor Wedge to tourism, Jim Looney driving the goose to housing. There's a lot in store. This week on G is for Government, Telluride Town Council member Geneva Shawnette shares what to expect. Hey Geneva, thanks for taking a couple minutes to chat with me today. Yeah, absolutely. So... Telluride Town Council is meeting on Tuesday for its regularly scheduled town council meeting, starting off with two work sessions in the morning. Can you share what those are going to be talking about? Yeah, so our first work session is going to be at 10 a.m., um, and we're hoping to have the uh, Colorado Parks and Wildlife and the U.S. Forest Service um, organizations in attendance to discuss 
potentially restricting hunting on the wedge, which is on the valley floor where the elk was shot earlier this fall or winter, I guess. Um, it's basically we have a uh, the mayor wrote a letter on behalf of town council requesting that those two organizations come and hear concerns from the public and consider restricting hunting on that small um, slice of land that's on the valley floor and very close to where um, hiking, biking, recreation occur, but is is actually officially Forest Service land where hunting is permitted. So we'll discuss that first, and then um, at 11.15, we'll be hearing from Michael Marlon, uh an update from the Telluride Tourism Board. He's got a presentation for us. That's the morning. What's going to happen in the afternoon once y'all get back from lunch? In the afternoon, we have an, a board appointment and some, you know, administrative consent calendar stuff, and then a number of public hearings um, that are second readings of new ordinances uh, that some of them are probably more interesting than others, but um, one of them, 6C, is going to provide an incentive um, uh, for site coverage of larger um, developments in town to sort of incentivize affordable housing, so I think that's a good one. We will also be um, discussing uh, 6E, which pro people are probably interested in. That, that's the one we have the most time set aside for out of all these public hearings. And it is uh, basically second reading of an ordinance that would increase um, penalties for violating our short-term rental policies, as well as requiring more information to be given um, when people apply for short-term rental licenses um, within the framework, of course, of the cap that we have um, in order for the town to be able to collect data and get more information. Um, and then action items, you know, we'll make some changes to the budget as we get to the year's end and some things worked out a little bit differently than we had initially planned. So we have to uh, make some budget adjustments and then we will be appointing an acting town manager um, around 250, hopefully, which is basically uh, that someone who is going to represent the town in terms of signing documents and that sort of thing um, because uh, our current town manager has stepped down and hit his uh, employment is going to end at the end of December. So we needed someone to act as town manager in the meantime while we are on uh, the hunt to hire a new one. Yeah. So, I mean, it is a pretty, um, maybe not chill, but a, a less packed uh, town council agenda for Tuesday, um, but still quite a few important things that are happening. So Geneva, we'll definitely see you on Zoom. And thanks for taking a couple minutes to chat. Thanks so much for having me and we'll see you tomorrow. Alison Delgado started running when she was in the seventh grade. I was always in sports when I was growing up, soccer, basketball, softball. I was always one of the faster <laughs> ones on the team. When I heard about um, cross-country running, I didn't even know what it was. And my dad kind of explained it to me. I said, oh, that, that sounds like something I could do. <laughs> sports, being on a team became part of who she was. You know, it was, it was my motivation every day to be there for my team and to do the best I could for, for myself and my teammates as well. At 22, Delgado entered the Cincinnati Flying Pig Marathon for the first time and finished first in the women's division. But Delgado isn't only about sports. 
She's also smart. Five years after that first flying pig marathon, she was a second-year pediatric resident at Cincinnati Children's Hospital. On October 16th, 2010, she had a day off, the first in several weeks, and she decided to take a bike ride around her neighborhood. About three-quarters mile into the ride, I was um, riding downhill and a car made a left turn and struck me. Um, struck me. And I was immediately unconscious. <laughs> um, and luckily, the EMS crew was only about a quarter mile away and got to me very quickly. Once at the hospital, doctors found a severe bleed around her brain. Um, they said it was one of the worst they'd ever seen. I had a broken jaw, broken clavicle, um, contusions to my heart and lungs. And I was, I was not expected to make it through the night. But she did. Delgado was in a coma for five days. And then she woke up and improved quickly. She was in speech and occupational therapy. Doctors quelled an aneurysm that developed. And after just one month, Delgado was ready to head home. Three days after I was left inpatient rehab, the aneurysm ruptured again. So I was again back in the hospital for another three weeks um, so they could finally um, clip the aneurysm to finally cure it. Um, but it was a very, very dangerous procedure. I risked me becoming blind or paralyzed, risks of death. <laughs> Two, and by the time I finally did leave the hospital mid-December after that successful surgery, really, I don't think any of my physicians really expected me to make it back to work. I think, I think most thought I would be in a nursing home. <laughs> Delgado made it her mission to get back to work. Six months later, she was back in her residency program. A year and a half later, she went back and ran another marathon. She attributes her history as a runner in helping her recover. I mean, any other like runners who are out there know that like, making goals as a runner is thinking about the long-term goal. You know, if I'm training for a marathon, that's months away. And I have to remember each day I get up, I'm going for that training run that I'm working towards that day that's four months away. Um, so as far as my recovery too, you know, I, I didn't know how quickly I was going to go back to work. Most other people didn't think I was even going to make it back to work. But each day I had that motivation, like, what am I doing today to get back to work? Like, what am I doing today? And now she's written a book, My Race for Life, Finding New Strength After Tragedy, about her trauma, struggle, and perseverance in the face of hardship. Delgado will be in Telluride on Tuesday for a book talk. Never give up. You know, whether it's yourself or someone else who's been through... <laughs> some kind of tragedy, whether it be an accident or illness, um, at the end of the day, set, set small goals for yourself and, and believe you have to believe it has to start with you believing in yourself first, <laughs> you know, don't, don't let other people tell you, you can't, <laughs> you know, no matter, no matter what it is. Delgado says she's taken that advice to heart and post trauma. It's made her a better runner. In my accident, I feel like helped me to be a little more easier on myself. I ran some of my best races after the accident just because I wasn't putting that pressure on myself before. So um, I, I see I see my teenage self and a lot of my teenage patients too. And I think because they put a lot of pressure on themselves as well. And sometimes I wish I'd tell them, you just gotta, you know, <laughs> make sure you're having fun. At the end of the day, make sure you're having fun and doing things you're doing and know that you are not defined by <laughs> the sports you play or <laughs> or your academic performance too. So I, I just hope that my story gives encouragement to others um, to, to set goals for themselves and, and believe that they can they can overcome. Delgado will be in Telluride for a book talk and signing at the Wilkinson Public Library on Tuesday, December 14th at 5.30 p.m. 
The period for 2022 health insurance open enrollment is coming to a close. Enrollment ends on December 15th to ensure coverage starting on January 1st, 2022. There will also be an enrollment period from December 16th to January 15th for coverage starting on February 1st. To help individuals enroll in health insurance, Tri-County Health Network is partnering with Connect for Health Colorado, the state's official insurance marketplace. Tri-County is supporting residents with appointments to move through the enrollment process. To book an appointment, call 970-708-7096 or email enrollment at tchnetwork.org. Christmas is coming, the goose is getting fat, but did you forget to cut down your tree? Fear not, because Seas of Trees, a local tree planting nonprofit, has you covered with its potted Christmas trees. Residents can get a three-foot potted blue spruce tree to decorate, love, and be merry around this season, and then plant it come summer. Email seasoftreestelluride at gmail.com to reserve your tree. Some of the most important researchers and decision-makers in Western Water will gather in Las Vegas this week to discuss the future of the Colorado River. KUNC's Alex Hager has more. It's a meeting that's happened every year since the 1940s, but this time around it'll be the first since the federal government declared a water shortage in the basin. Water users are set for some tough discussions about how to divvy up a shrinking supply. Becky Mitchell directs the Colorado Water Conservation Board. We have no choice but to get there. It may be an ugly road. Um, it may be bumpy. There, there may be some issues along the way, but that is the only option. Looming over the conference are the realities of climate change, which is drying up a river that supplies 40 million people throughout the Southwest, and the need to agree on a new set of guidelines before the current rules expire in 2026. I'm Alex Hager. The National Weather Service forecast for the western San Juans calls for partly cloudy skies tonight with a low in the mid-20s. Winds could gust as high as 30 miles per hour. Tuesday, there is a 30% chance of snow showers with partly sunny skies and a high around 40 degrees. Winds could gust as high as 40 miles per hour. Tuesday night, expect snow showers with a low around 20. Winds could gust as high as 70 miles per hour. Two to four inches of snow accumulation is possible. Wednesday, snow showers are likely with a high near 30 degrees. Wednesday night should be partly cloudy, with a low around 10. There is a winter weather advisory for Tuesday and Wednesday. This has been the news for Monday, December 13th. Thanks for listening. If you have a story idea or a news tip, call the news team at 970-728-3206. And now, personal commentaries. Hello, everybody. EcoAction Partners, your local sustainability nonprofit, is hiring. We are looking for an income-qualified weatherization auditor. Someone who would apply for this job is someone who is interested in energy efficiency and has hands-on experience, such as handyman and construction experience. This position would support income-qualified residents with San Miguel Power Association territory with free energy audits and weatherization upgrades. This person would oversee energy audits, weatherization work, and coordinate with program participants and contractors. We do have training available for the right person. Please visit our website at ecoactionpartners.org for more information. If you'd like to apply, please send your resume in to info at ecoactionpartners.org. 
You can also feel free to give us a call at 970-728-1340 for more information. Thank you. Hey, Kodo listeners. This Wednesday is the last day of the 2021 open enrollment period for health insurance. That means that you have to act fast if you want health insurance for the new year. Insurance can be confusing, but Tri-County Health Network can help. Our health coverage guides can meet with you one-on-one to find the plan that's right for you and help you enroll. Just go to tchnetwork.org or email enrollment at tchnetwork.org to set up an appointment. Don't wait. Be ready for 22 and enroll in health insurance today. Opinions broadcast over KOTO are those of the speakers. You are also invited to express your views after the news or on access each weekday at around 4 p.m. If you would like to comment, please contact a staff person here at Cotto. We encourage you to speak out on important public issues.